0: Anthony, you ready, big guy? I cannot wait. Well, it's time. (laughs) I didn't have an option. (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) I had no choice.
0: I wasn't asking because you had a choice. Yeah. Welcome to Freightonomics, everybody. Right. And what a Freightonomics week it's been.
1: Yeah, if there ever is one, this is it.
0: (laughs) So welcome to Freight Freightonomics. Uh, I'm Zach Strickland. and I'm Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith. And then you'll notice, for those of you watching us on LinkedIn uh, or the internet of your choice, uh, we have Seth Holm joining us today. Welcome, Seth. Thanks, Gus. Thanks for having me. Yes. So Freight Freightonomics is the show where we discuss the topics that are relevant to freight and the economy and how they are both interconnected, hopefully presenting it in a very approachable way. Hopefully, uh, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Give us feedback on LinkedIn. Anthony is monitoring all the comments right now. Nice. Uh, anybody that's watching live, please feel free to chime in and jump in there and let us know how we're doing, whether or not you agree, disagree, or just think that the you know you there's don't some, like you don't like rain. There's some
1: questions, yeah,
0: questions, answers, any of it. Uh, so, uh, Seth Holmes joining us today for a specific reason. Uh, for those of you that have been watching the Freightonomics or listening to the Freightonomics podcast. Uh, we do try to cover. We're we're doing a series about basically like a 101 of freight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how does, uh, how the, does this all work? How does this all work? You know, if you've if you've seen the website, how stuff works, or watched the Discovery Channel, or what TLC was supposed to be. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm kind of an edutainment geek. Do y'all watch those shows or any of it early on? Uh, I know where you're going with this. I love learning how
2: stuff
1: works. So yeah, yeah I'm literally on board with
0: that. I literally cannot stop figuring out how some of this obscure stuff is. I will go down rabbit holes on the internet all the time. Uh, That's
1: YouTube rabbit holes are the best, though. Oh like man. It, it gets I get three lost. hours, four hours, the entire day is gone.
0: I get lost in all that stuff. So, um, you know, we're trying to make, uh, you know, do a series where we give you insight, especially for those of you that may be new to the industry or maybe work in a specific segment Uh and you're curious about other aspects of it. You know, we get siloed up in our companies. Uh, we get siloed up in our careers. We start working down a cr- certain path. And the, more, the longer we're in it, we get more specialized. And we kind of lose that visibility to what's happening around us. And that's it, it's crucial,
1: yeah.
0: uh, especially as we're learning in today's world. Uh, <laughs> if you don't have understanding of what's going on outside of your box or your cube or your building, uh, you might be missing out on a lot of opportunity, and also you might be exposing yourself to a lot of risk so on that note seth holm uh former 's equities uh fund side guy that uh managed the <laughs> managed the hedge funds and uh and and finance. basically yeah knows all things finance Money. of course finance my i was a finance major finance uh two o one essentially says risk reward and right that 's what we 're going to talk about a little bit this uh this episode we have had. I felt like it was, you know, the right time to bring on a guy that has a pretty deep understanding. Uh, give a little background on yourself, Seth. What did you, what did you do in your former life? Yeah,
2: so um, I also was a finance major. Um, I just moved up here from Atlanta, uh, what was it, close close to a year ago now, um, prior to the transportation here at Freight Waves. Um, I spent, I've, let's see, I'm going to my 13th or 14th year of working. Uh, I spent the first four at a private wealth management firm, uh, basically helping wealthy people manage their money. Um, and then I went to the hedge fund side uh, and there I covered and helped manage a portfolio. Um, and I, I, was a generalist, which basically means I look at everything, but I really focus most of my time on consumer and TMT, which is tech, media, and telecom stocks.
0: Very appropriate for where you work today.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there are some similarities, but, um, you know, stocks are stocks, and, um, you know, um, it it took probably six months for me to get up to speed and feel like I kind of had my you know, bearings a little bit, but because it is a lot different. At the same time, we can get into that.
0: It it is it is a crazy world with which we live in. You know, and that's that's funny to hear you say because I I you know I was a finance major as well. Mm-hmm. I walked into transportation thinking, oh, this will be a cakewalk. I I was finance and mm-hmm. transportation, not traditionally thought of as this complex environment. When actually, it is extremely complicated Mm -hmm. and it has a lot of variables a lot of moving parts it actually may be more complex than the financial sector if you if you think about it operationally i think it depends on
2: which (laughs) sector of finance but um yes the other thing that i find interesting about transportation is uh a lot of it is like non-intuitive um so i'm like (laughs) well that's not the way i thought that would work and then you know don't get That's...
0: me started on the uh, terminology in the in the industry <laughs> right <laughs> right so there's a lot of things that have been around for several years and they've been turned into words that they don't necessarily mean anyway uh, i'm not talking about us accessorials at all it's <laughs> you know um anyway so i want to get started on the show and uh you know the stock market itself mm-hmm. has gone haywire mm-hmm. um you know as this pertains to those of us in the transportation world uh, obviously if you're at a publicly traded company there's an obvious connection here. You're working at one of these big carriers or big brokerages that are publicly traded. Um, as the stock market goes up and down, your management has to take that into account and in it's day-to-day operational, uh, you know, what it's giving you as direction. So, uh, and, and, and the reason for that is simply that there is, you know, that's their purpose. These people are investing in your company. You have to create inherent value, whether or not that is in your control or not. Right. So, Seth, my first question to you is, you know, you're at a J.B. Hunt or a Werner, um, you know, Schneider, some of these big publicly traded companies, U.S. Express, Covenant in town here in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. What how do you how do you view what's going on with your stock price right now? Do you do you take do you have to take that into account or do you need to just kind of buckle down, keep with the uh, keep with the program and move forward? Like how do you how do you deal with that? Right. Well, first
2: things first, I think that the stock market is 20% off of its highs, and it's sold off so far so fast because the market is pricing in a very increasing likelihood of a recession. So in this case, yes, I think you very much need to pay attention to your stock price. Not only that, the bond markets, you've got 10-year bond yields down to 75 basis points. They hit 40 basis points the other day. The whole entire uh, treasury bond curve is below 1%, which is insane. That's- um, and generally, that only happens when the market is telling you. The market hates uncertainty. That's one thing that's going on right now. But they're also telling you that forget about you know backward-looking indicators. Things are going to get nasty over the next couple quarters. So I think if you're one of those management teams, I think you start planning around How do we manage this business through a difficult time Uh, and a period where we could see maybe it's just two quarters, but we're definitely going to see a big hit to economic growth, even if it's only for a quarter or two. So I would start in terms of, you know, whatever you can do to tighten up your expenses, maybe you cut your CapEx, hold off on the new truck orders, um, you know try to manage on the revenue side, uh, you know, uh, have as much contract revenue as possible. You know, this is kind of interesting because right now you have this really odd um, divergence right now, I would call it, where trucking is booming. Um, right. And a lot of that may be because of the, the the fear and the panic and the destocking that you're seeing at places like Costco and everybody runs out and buys $500 worth of toilet paper and um, the toilet you know, ramen noodles so... and the <laughs> bottled water and everything else. I think that may be artificially inflating volumes. This is my personal view, mm-hmm. um, not a firm view, but um, I, I think that we'll probably see, um, you know, a lot of this optimism in the near term in the trucking markets turn around and and take a hit along with the overall
0: economy. Yeah, I think you're making a good point. So something that the the stock market is is very speculative, right? That means you're looking forward, you're looking into the future, and you're making a guess, an educated guess, sometimes. Not always. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes you just have a feeling that you're trying to fulfill. Um, And that's what moves the stock up or down is basically, you know, you were a fund manager. Yeah. So you're sitting in your fund manager seat Mm -hmm. and you're seeing all these other stocks go down, but you see that U.S. Express is actually having a great time of it in March. How much do you value? Like, I mean, you just said it yourself. The trucking volumes are moving. There is nothing... There's absolutely no data to support the fact that outside of some, you know, other macroeconomic indicators, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that this is going to change. You know, you see the coronavirus is creating a panic. The media is covering it extensively, such as we are. And, you know, whether or not the virus actually has a true life-threatening implication, or if it's really just a cold <laughs> right? that everybody's overreacting to, it doesn't matter because the reaction is real. And at some point, people may shut down and stop consuming goods. They may, mm-hmm. They'll they eventually have so much toilet paper, uh, they won't need it. You for will s- have pulled forward <laughs> six months to a year's worth of toilet paper. Yes. <laughs> so what that's going to do to the freight market is you're going to see this big bow up in the front in March. Which is what we're seeing right now: a lot of volume moving, a lot of, you know, we've had a ton of inventory. Mm -hmm. But again, coronavirus may move through the United States in the next month and then subside. We may see this bell curve type spike and then it goes away. And yet, you know, the China giving the Chinese inventory stuff enough time to replenish, et cetera. So, what data are would you look at that suggests that? They need to continue to be super conservative other than the fact that we're relying on, um, you know, some of these, you know, you know, the bond, the yield curves, uh, things that traditionally signal recessions. These are financial instruments based on a lot of speculation, mm-hmm. but not necessarily what's happening right now.
2: That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, both the the bond market is thought to be the smart money and is generally more accurate in terms of economic forecasting than the stock market. Um, You know, a lot of people say that the stock market has forecast something like 10 out of the last two recessions. So people get very they don't like to lose money. So they get very trigger happy and they panic uh, out in the stock market. I, I think caution makes sense here because um, you know, one thing that's crazy about this is it's just so uncertain. So, uh, this is one thing I talked about with Craig on our coronavirus special. Um, you can't go out there and easily put any numbers around whatever the impact to companies, revenues, cash flows, and profits is. You can't do that to GDP because we don't know. Um, and so I would just be cautious if I were running, um, you know, a big transportation company and, um, the thing that i would say is uh you know we're we're likely going to get whether it's 2 weeks or a month again my personal opinion i think most people are going to be working from home right. which is naturally going to cause a uh at least a significant near-term decrease in consumer spending i think uh companies like amazon will benefit from that i was going to
0: say cuz isn't i mean a large percentage of our purchasing especially throughout the year I think mm-hmm. I think we actually saw a trend reversal this past Christmas and holiday season where people were actually picking up in the store a little bit more. Right. Uh, but still, there's this, you know, everybody's consuming more online. You know, you can get on Amazon Prime and just hit the button. Yeah, and
2: you don't want to go out and shop at a brick-and-mortar store where you might touch something that infects you or yeah. come into contact with someone who's had the coronavirus or been exposed to it. So. I mean, I think that really makes sense. And so, you know, on the transportation side, if we are going to have, even if it's only a temporary, because I, I would expect a V-shaped rebound to the economy after a couple quarters once this thing gets contained or blows over. Now, the nightmare downside scenario, in my view, okay. is if we get another outbreak in China and uh, this thing reaccelerates in terms of the case counts, then I think that the bottom will probably fall out of the stock market. Um, but... Uh, I'm not betting on that to happen, (laughs) but if I were a management team, I would just be preparing, um, just have your recession playbook, um, you know, uh, whatever it is for your business. Uh, if there's going to be a downturn, how do you optimize performance and limit the downside to your business?
0: Right. So, I mean, the big takeaway here is basically be ready for anything, but it's, it's going to be hard. I think, you know, having been in that space for a little bit, you've got this surging volume right now and. I know know we're all prisoners Uh, of the moment. Yeah, we're all prisoners of the moment. Uh, but also one of my, obviously one of my favorite, uh, people to, you know, my finance professor taught me. So therefore I just took it all in, uh, Warren Buffett. Uh Oh, yeah, sure. These times, you know, actually are, are discounts. They're, they're basically giving you the opportunity to invest in something for long term value. Again, the world is far different than it was when he wrote his book back in. Uh, the late (laughs) nineties, um, but you know, I've always been a kind of believer in that value investing. So my question to you Mm -hmm. is, is this, you know, I I know on your day-to-day operation, you need to be more conservative and mindful. You, you need to be able to handle some of this surge right now, Mm -hmm. but plan for that long term kind of, you know, maybe volumes are going to decline, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But how do you take advantage of kind of that mentality? You know, you you've got this. You're, you, everybody's planning for a recession. The market's reflecting recession. This should mm-hmm. have a deflationary. You know, obviously, if you're looking to get a mortgage right now, you're you're looking pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, Although those haven't come down to the degree at all that they
2: should have, given right. the way that the thirty-year bond has right. yield has fallen.
0: Right. And the, I think there was a little bit of support from the the Fed on this to kind of in, increase or keep it at least somewhat elevated. Fed fund rate right Well. Now. Um, you know,
2: typically, I think there's a spread. It's about 150 basis points between the 30-year bond and the 30-year fixed mortgage rate nationally. And right. if you look now, the 30-year bond, gosh, I don't even know. I want to say it's like 80 basis points, whereas the average nationwide 30-year mortgage is still only like 3.5%. So that spread is blown out to like 270 basis points. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think over time that will come down as, you know, these rates prove – uh, longer than a temporary, bit more stable, and, and <laughs> yeah. then you have that competitive um, sort of prisoner's dilemma where they all one comes down and all the rest gotcha. have to match them. Gotcha.
1: So we have yeah. a comment here. Oh, um, Timothy Dooner <laughs> asks, "What should I be hoarding? <laughs>
0: <laughs> is there anything? I mean, that, that's a that's actually a really good question. As we're you know, as as people are obviously out there, not everybody is panic buying, right? Uh, but you know." This is a good, this is a good environment for buying certain things Mm -hmm. and selling certain things. Right. What exactly would you be looking to get a, get a good deal on? I mean, you've got, obviously you're not going to buy toilet paper, but at the same time, I would love to know, uh, you know, do you invest in Charmin at this point? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's tough. Um, so, um,
2: you know, if you look at the best-performing stocks um, over the past, call it, three weeks when this correction, um, you've had so-called stay-at-home stocks is what they've been dubbed. Um, those are things like Netflix, um, you know, um, all that kind of stuff, uh, consume more media. Um, the other things are classic recessionary defensives, so uh, healthcare, utilities, consumer staples, um, things like that, uh, where you know, their revenue isn't going to contract much, even in a recession, it might even grow. Sure. Um, dollar stores, that type of thing. Um, and then, you know, the opposite of that right now, um, it's interesting cause everybody's all focused on balance sheets again. Um, which is crazy because just a month ago it was, you know, we have this growth, this model. bubble in yeah. venture capital <laughs> yep. and companies losing, you know, um, untold amounts of money and now all of a sudden we're like really focused on balance sheets again so it's crazy it is kind of i don't i wouldn't liken this decline to 2008 it has been in terms of severity and and how rapid it's come down it it does remind me of 2008 but like it just shows you how fast sentiment can change it's crazy yeah
0: that's insane sentiment anthony's Um, favorite thing in terms of in terms of are you asking me what I would buy right now? Yeah, like and and not necessarily the recessionary defense stuff. Like right. I mean, we we're, we're talking about things that you are getting a good deal on right now that you think will may recover. Again, you're not you're not giving investment advice. Right. I, I mean, if you're if you're an outsider, uh, you know, you're not licensed to give investment advice, et cetera. But you right. you could be, you know, you're looking at this market from an outside objective perspective. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some of these things, especially, you know, these transport, these transportation companies, they, they move commodities. They're very specific. Right. They move. A lot of them are very shipper specific. So you're looking at Procter and Gambles and, and, uh, you know, the Nestle waters, uh, things of that nature that are being hoarded, but right. You know, they could be, uh, captive by the market itself moving downward. Yep. That is really disparate from what the actual end result will be because people aren't uh, simply trading on, yep. well, I think everybody's buying water right now. <laughs> yeah. They're not
2: looking out six, t- forget six months. They're not really even looking out three w- three months or even maybe even three weeks. They're looking right now. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, what I would say is, so there's two types of it, people in my old industry Um, you've got the deep value guys, Mm -hmm. the guys that like to go out and try to buy companies for below their book value or their liquidation value. They want to buy when there's just blood in the streets, right? right? Mm -hmm. I want to get this company for 50 cents on the dollar, uh, that I don't think is going to go out of business. Um, and whenever, you know, this thing passes, it'll get re-rated higher, right? Mm -hmm. I'm kind of the opposite end of that spectrum. I would like to, I would take this opportunity to trade up in quality, so Um, I would want to buy a high-quality company that uh, has secular growth characteristics and a good margin structure and good returns on capital. Because right now, like for example, why would you be, and I don't want to pick on the cruise stocks, but why would you be out there bottom fishing in cruise stocks when their livelihood is is severely threatened Um, right now? And I think even yesterday, President Trump talked about maybe having to bail them out. Why would you be buying that right now rather than something that's a strong, you know, really great company that's going to grow for a lot of years to come when that's also trading off 20 or 30%. So that's what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give any individual companies. um, (laughs) Right, you can't do that. But um, (laughs) I would be looking to things that, and then also just in risk reward, I would be looking for things that can survive a downturn if we get one Mm -hmm. or thrive if we don't, you know. Um,
0: So just try to protect your money. And, and, and the reason okay. I ask that is not necessarily for investment advice specifically, but for those carriers and brokers out there that are moving this freight. Uh, this is the type of company that you could be potentially, you know, really putting a stake in. You know, you've got an option this month. You're going to have a lot more optionality this month that may not be there next month. And, you know, some of the stuff that we look at, you know, is showing us that, you know, volumes are going haywire right now. And it's going haywire all over the board. Uh, it's not just one market. It's 75% of the freight markets out there that are going crazy. So if you do have, you need to be cognizant of this kind of stuff when you are out there, you know, on the brokerage floor, the, the, the carrier floor. What types of commodities, what type of shippers are you moving right now that are going to be, you know, more consistent, more stable, mm-hmm. just like Seth does with the financial markets, uh, financial companies? Uh, those are the ones that are going to be, you know, you need, you can budget for higher volumes of freight. Um, in the near future, but also to that same point is that you should be seeing declines in those that you would in- intuitively just know aren't going to have as much volume. You know, obviously your service companies are not shipping a lot of freight, but, <laughs> right. but the, uh, you know, that's kind of the mentality that you need to adopt is what's, what's actually going to have something of survivability, long run viability, yep. as well as those that are living in the moment right now. Um, you know that are going to see the seasonal uh, depression if you will. Mm-hmm. Um so Seth, I know your time is valuable. Yeah. Uh so I don't want to take up too much of it, but uh thank you so much for uh hopping in. Of course. On the moment, this is a, uh, is a crazy time and I, I I think like everybody they're watching that stock market go up, down, 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 <laughs> <Yeah>. up, down. <laughs> right. And and just really confused by it. So I wanted to bring you in and uh let everybody know that there, there is a connection between the two, and how to how to operate with that. So, thank you. Right, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: Do we have clap? We need applause. Music. I know.
0: I wish we had applause. Oh my, Emila. Yep. Oh, Emma giving us applause. Okay, <laughs> right. He's always here for us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Anthony. I mean, you know, I, I myself am always a little hesitant to. Watch that sentiment, as, yeah. as, uh, as Seth was talking about. But it, yeah. does, it does have an impact in the market. I will give you that. So two things, Zach.
1: <laughs> Many of you already probably know. They don't know. My birthday's on Friday. Guess what also comes out Friday? Consumer sentiment. Is it, is it Friday the 13th? Yes, it is. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a great day. All the things. It's going to be a great day. But sentiment comes out on the 13th. So it's like a little birthday gift for me. So
0: consumer sentiment. Yeah. Tell us, tell us what goes into that
1: how people feel um no, <laughs> <laughs> there are different components so there's one from the University of Michigan and there's one from uh, I think the conference board one is they 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 measure things a little bit more differently. I like the one from the conference board that's not the one that's coming out. I like them both, but I like to lean on that one a little bit more, mm-hmm. but it has different components on like how people feel towards their current condition and and their outlook for the future of of the um their outlook for the country and right. so how confident they feel about things going forward. And so it's safe to say from some of the stuff that I've, I've read from you, especially your latest chart of the week, um, really kind of seeing all that consumer pull forward. Um, and one of the things we just had about here is I'm really curious to see if um, how that pull forward affects everything in the next month or two here.
0: We, we, have, got, we have got the definition of uncertainty Uh, you know, Seth was talking about uncertainty as being something that panics people. And that's, you know, that's, that's our human nature. What's evolutionary, we have been bred to fear it and react to it. And that's a survival instinct. Uh, it is within every single one of us, sociopath or not. Um, and, (laughs) (laughs) and that's, that's the reason that we exist. And so we have to recognize it as much as I kind of, you know, give you, grief over it. Yeah. yeah, It is It is a part of who we are, <laughs> and it a is thing. a part of, of, of markets. And like I said before, I believe that the coronavirus is some sort of significant uh, virus, disease, threat, health issue, etc., or don't, mm-hmm. the reaction is real. Yeah, And we're seeing that reaction in our freight markets. We've seen volumes of surge. We've seen capacity tighten in a time where we don't necessarily see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think at this point, looking at the consumer sentiment, this, this next Friday's release, it actually, I'm, I'm going to be paying attention to. Yes,
1: I'm going to be curious. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be curious. Um, oh. The other thing is, the latest with uh, the coronavirus, I don't know if you saw it, but it just got upgraded. I don't know if that's an upgrade, what? but the, the World Health Organization. Did they call it a pandemic? Yes, they did. All right. Yep. I did see is that. Is that an upgrade or a downgrade?
0: I don't know. Well, depending on your perspective, it's, right? if you're a virus, I guess on the virus team,
1: you're like, upgrade. Yeah. You're cheering for yeah. that, Right. If
0: you're, if you're not on the virus team and you're a person, you're yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is, you know, it's a wild ride and you know, we've talked about things, you know, there, I should have, you know, we didn't have enough time with Seth. I wish we could have had a little bit more, but there's things that, you know, he was talking about that are inherent, uh, to financial markets that, don't necessarily exist in transportation. So, um, you know, just like I was talking about with you're, you're trying to figure out how to manage the rest of the year. How, right. do, I, how do I weather this? How do, Obviously, I'm having a great time right now. Volumes are up. People are buying toilet paper, and I'm Procter & Gamble's number one, you know, carrier. Yeah. Having a great time. <laughs> you yeah. know, they're number one broker. I, I know they use brokers quite a lot. But, um, you know, this is going to dry up. It's not going to sustain Yeah, uh, people. I don't think a lot of carriers out there are looking to invest in trucks or equipment right now, mm-hmm. uh, but they're going to see this balance sheet or their, their income statement uh, here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And they're going to think, Oh, we had a good month. Yeah. We had a good month, man. Yeah. Maybe we can afford what we, we only budgeted for this percent growth in March. Yeah. Man. Yeah. They may be in for a shock. Now,
1: they may also make the mistake of applying this growth to June. That'll be, yeah, that'll be rough because that's, that's, that's an issue if you're not able to really modulate and, and shift kind of your forecast as things kind of pop up along the year. And I think we're seeing this is like a blip in the business cycle and this blip can really kind of throw off all the other forecasts if you don't factor it correctly. For
0: anybody that makes budgets, as I have in the past, uh, nightmarishly so and inaccurately, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. you know, you'll know that this process is very awful, (laughs) for just lack of a better word. It's very inaccurate. It's, you know, it's a necessary evil, if you will. And we have just blown the budget in March Mm -hmm. on the high side. Uh, We're going to more than likely. Uh, but. You know what does this mean for the rest of the year? Now, obviously, Freightways, our company, uh, has you know th- this is why we were we were built. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, not to be too you know pimping of our stuff, but you know <laughs> this is this is why we we created what we created. Uh, you know, obviously, the sonar platform is there to give the data to do it. And again, I'm not going to turn into a salesperson, uh, but and you also have the futures to hey We have freight futures. This is this is I, what it's made for. Again, it's, if I were if I were not. In the chairman, if mm-hmm. I I'm not wearing the freight waves gear today. Yeah. <laughs> this is the argument for reasons for freight futures right, right here. Right. This is for anybody that's made a budget and has dramatically failed at making a <laughs> yeah. budget. Yeah. Those freight futures can I, I mean this this is what this is the instrument that stabilizes your world. Um I know coronavirus isn't going to happen every year. Yeah. It's a once-every hundred-year event type deal. Um, but here in the next 18 months, something else is going to happen. Right. And if you look at any of the spot market rates, uh, you know, any of that volatility there, you're going to see that you can't apply last year to this year. Yeah. Um, if anybody tells you they know exactly what's going to happen in June, mm. they're lying. Yeah. They're lying. They don't know. I yeah. mean, they might, there might be a person out there that gets it right. You know, that's going to be your one in a hundred person. It's the guy that fills out his March madness bracket. Topical. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, and, and gets them all right. Yeah. It's not because he had that much more information than anybody else. It's just, mm-hmm. he literally just was able to throw a dart blindfolded and hit it Yeah, once, yeah. you know? Um, so, yeah, I think we are in that, you know, a very, obviously for us in the, you know, as analysts and, you know, economic advisor type role, we're, we're kind of, you know, thrilled and terrified. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, it's exciting to watch this kind of volatility, but also extremely unnerving. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff that you can do to hedge this. And I think information is always the thing that I rely on. Of course, as an analyst, <laughs> yeah. you're an economist. Right. As much as you like the feelings, I don't think that you're going to ever just say, oh, I feel like today's going to be a great day yeah. in the stock no, market. You gotta, you're going to have <laughs> to
1: bring some data with it as well. you got to have something to, yeah. to hedge that with.
0: So. Um, You know, bringing it back to transportation a little bit and how this is going to be relevant, you know, on the financial side. So there's a few things that, you know, we look at, talk about carrier brokerage, you know, transportation spend, et cetera, that, that you know, you monitor. We have income statements and balance sheets and all that. As, as Seth was talking about, everybody's looking at balance sheets now. That's what everybody does when they get conservative. And the yeah. reason for that, do you know what the reason
1: for that is? Zach, what's the reason for that?
0: So... The reason is a balance sheet shows you what you have. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's what you got. Yeah. It's your assets, your liabilities, your equities. It's it's all the stuff that makes you you. So if I'm looking at Anthony today and your balance sheet would be your experience, your clothing, Mm -hmm. your health, your mental well-being capabilities. It's what you have today. Yeah. This is what we're looking at. You know it doesn't care about what you're gonna be or where you know necessarily where you were right it's what you are today. it's your physical snapshot of what you are, and that's what a balance sheet is. It's saying if you're a carrier, this is how much you if you were to sell this company today, mm-hmm. you would expect to be right around this number here right you add up assets, subtract liabilities equities, and then there it is <laughs> yeah it's it's there's your number uh that's your book value, et cetera so if People are not valuing things on your inherent value. They typically are expecting you to grow. Yeah. And that's a lot of what has happened over the, you know, when the economy's booming, they're going to value you over what they expect you to be. Yeah. Not what you are today, but what you, they expect you to be. Yeah.
1: And it's when like starting a new job, right? Yep. Start a new job. You get ramped up. You're like, you're not going to just maybe knock it out the park from day one. Maybe you will. I don't know. I have faith in you, but (laughs) thanks. (laughs) there are things that you got to learn, you know, day one on job training. Your your potential has not yet been reached. Yeah. So some of these financial
0: measures that people
1: look at, uh, you know, I'm going
0: to talk about those a little bit. I'm not going to get too deep into the accounting, but this is the type of stuff you're going to hear in these earnings reports, these earnings reviews, you know, things like EBITDA.
1: Yeah. You know what EBITDA is. Earnings before. What is EBITDA? (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. You were starting. No, I don't. I have no idea. Earnings before interest,
0: taxes, depreciation, and amortization. <laughs> I hated EBITDA. Yeah, I it's, hated it. <laughs> so effectively, what EBITDA is is a way to measure your operating value. Yeah. This is what happens when a truck goes. Now, again, it's a little different in transportation because they do include depreciation to an extent because there's so much value in the underlying asset in that company. So there, there is a that is an operational expense. Yeah. Uh, So they will take that into account because that truck lease or truck payment does cost, that's a cost of operation. Yeah. (laughs) So they need to incorporate in that some way. Uh, It's kind of like operating ratio. Mm -hmm. Uh, So think about it in other industries. It's definitely like operating ratio. How much do we get, you know, for every dollar that a customer spends on our goods or services? Mm -hmm. And that's what EBITDA is. Gotcha. And a lot of times when people are investing, they're saying, we're going to value you as seven times EBITDA. Mm. And that's, that's how that works is gotcha. there, you know, and there's no, there's no real math or science behind, you know, why seven times is the magic number. It's yeah. basically just accepted that you're going to, you know, as you are profitable and you're making money on your operation, you're going to have the potential to grow over the next several years and you're going to get a return on that
1: yeah so it's
0: it's basically your operational effectiveness
1: and if i'm not mistaken ebit is a relatively newer term right like over the past maybe 50
0: years yeah yeah
1: i mean as people have you know it used to be
0: ebit (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, interest before interest i mean earnings before interest in taxes yeah uh again there's different depreciations and creative accounting that you can do to (laughs) <laughs> kind of creative
1: accounting yeah
0: there again i'm not s- suggesting the legal <laughs> accounting i'm just saying that there's always loopholes within right. the within the boundaries of the rules and regulations that can make those numbers look a little different uh maybe better or worse depending on what seat you're sitting in
1: yeah one of the things you mentioned was operating ratio right and yep. that was one of the things that of course operating ratio is important to every business and it's critical but freight industry is like a whole nother level. Like you are really. Yeah. So there's every small percentage point.
0: Yeah. And, in the, and the transportation industry specifically, there's,
1: there's, there's industries
0: out there that are high ORs. Yeah. Like the software industry. Right. Lots of OR. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because they can make a 50, 60 OR because all the cost is in the upfront development. Yeah. So over time, if that is a successful product, it's all sunk cost already. Your OR goes up every year because yeah. you're basically customer service, some level of maintenance, and then it's just gravy. Right. So that's where your OR goes way high. You know, your overhead is super up high. Um, but in the transportation industry, every single day, you don't get to, there's no real scale there. Yeah. You're running that truck. You pay that driver a variable amount. So variable costs are actually very high in the transportation industry relative to other industries with high operating uh, ratios. Gotcha. Or low operating ratios, I should say. Um, they, you know, every truck, you know, and most of this is driven operating ratio again is basically how much money you make for every dollar that a customer spends on you. Mm -hmm. So if you have a 93 OR, You're making $0.07 on the dollar (laughs) for every dollar that the customer's paying you to move that truck from point A to point B. Right. And that's excluding interest, uh, taxes, things of that nature that are kind of not totally involved in the operation. Yeah. Uh, So it's it's operational efficiency, if you will. So, yes, the uh, transportation sector is traditionally low. Operating in the 90s for the most part. The, yeah. Some of the more successful companies are in the 70s and 80s. I know Old Dominion and Knight Swift both dabbled in that. Heartland does a pretty good job, too. Yeah. You're looking in trucking uh, companies. Uh, so, But brokerages also have traditionally a higher OR. Now, theirs is a little different because most of their uh, operating cost is overhead. Yeah. It's just people and technology. Right. And the technology is a depreciable asset. Yeah. <laughs> So the longer they have those systems in place, they do. It's kind of like a software company. They did a little bit of a expanding margin on it. The yeah. problem is, it's not like a software because they have to constantly—that's their value prop, right? Because that technology gives them automation, makes them faster, et cetera. Um, so yeah, those those are some of the you know common terminologies that a lot of these investors and financial uh, side companies will look at. Private equity, uh, for instance. Yeah. So we talked about corporate finance, like on the highest, highest of levels with with Seth. Uh, there's also another level of this in the private equity investment side. Uh, it's, you know, you've got VC, which is venture capital. Yeah. Those are going to be the people that will invest in a company that's new. There's a different philosophy there. They basically say, Hey, we're going to give you, you know, $10 million to get started. Right. Not going to be heavily involved in general. We believe that, you know, what you're doing here in the initial phase and And there's not a lot of that in transportation <laughs> not yeah. not in at least in the asset base side. There's more of it in the brokerage side, but less so than there was a few years back. Um, most of the venture capital money goes into technology, kind of emerging stuff yeah uh, so but in the transportation sector, we have private equity and you know what private equity is what is private equity okay, so private equity basically they're investment banks yeah. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up, was an investment banker. Now look at you. Yeah. Look at on me now. On yeah. So, <laughs> So basically, it's like a bank for companies. They invest in a company that's already established in general. They try to figure out ways to add value to that existing company. Right. You know, especially in transportation where those ORs are low. That means yeah. that 95 OR, 93 OR, you're getting, you only get seven cents on a dollar. That does not leave a lot of room for investment. Right. You can't grow your fleet as fast as you might want to, or maybe you need to. You can't grow technology as fast as you need to. So then they look outside for, you know, investors. Mm -hmm. Private equity firms specialize in investing in companies that way. Now, they need to get their return on investment. I was going to
1: say, this. so private equity is, is, they are looking for a return. Usually it's what, within three years or so, right? Three to five years. Three to five years. Three to five years traditionally. Now, uh, they have
0: trouble in the transportation sector. Yeah. (laughs) So a lot of these private equity companies will do, well. they'll they'll grow in two ways. Uh, One is cutting costs. Uh, So think about this. You're going to invest in a company that's making five to seven cents on a dollar and you're going to cut their costs. Mm -hmm. You don't think they've already cut their costs like low enough. Like this is a, this is a very tenuous situation already. Right. And then you have moments like this in March that happen. So say you've, you know, in the transportation industry, you've noticed this in your brief stint in it. Mm-hmm. It's very seasonal. Yeah. Extremely cyclical. Yeah. So you have these huge fluctuations up and down throughout the year. And then on top of that, you have another 5 to 10% that it will fluctuate on any given year. Right. So you can't see the highest highs and lowest lows in any given year and apply them to the next year, just like I said earlier. Yeah. I mean, I said it. It's fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's... That is extremely difficult to operate at a ninety-three, ninety-five OR, and be able to flex up mm-hmm. and also contract right. with the times. Right. So private equity has a lot of trouble with that because they don't understand the cyclical nature of it, the seasonality. I mean, they understand it to an extent, mm-hmm. but it's very hard to uh, manage
1: costs in that environment. Right. The I next. Can only imagine like a getting in on like a high, yeah. like a seasonal high or something like that and then thinking like, oh, this is how it's going to be yeah. all the time. Like, yeah. no, that, that's not yeah. it.
0: And, and transportation companies need to keep this in mind too when they're looking for outside investment. Yeah. Uh, they need to make sure that they're very clear cut on how they, you know, view these outside investors. Sometimes they're just like, just give me money. Right. You know? Right. And that's not necessarily the best course of action in the long term. Anyway, so private equity cut costs one way. The next way they do it is they try to find other companies that have synergy mm-hmm. that they can pair you with that's a nice
1: little mba word for you
0: right yeah mba or just general buzzword <laughs> yeah buzzword uh that they can combine you with mm-hmm. so you can kind of incorporate you know y- maybe you need you can cut off a bit of overhead they have some already existing technology that you could really benefit from etc yeah. maybe they're not even a transportation company but they're all they're some form of commodity yeah. producer that you specialize in yeah so now you have a transportation provider that specializes in that commodity etc there's there's all sorts of techniques and ways that they can make this uh, very profitable. profitable yeah so what you're doing there is you're increasing your revenue and you're also lowering your costs without actually you know trimming that company's costs right you know you're just finding something that can pair well with. With it, it'll grow the revenue simultaneously, as well as making sure that costs. So basically, you're just expanding that OR Mm -hmm. naturally. Uh, That's that's the other method that private equity companies use, and it's you know that's far more successful in the transportation world. Yeah. uh, Even though it's not necessarily the most common uh, (laughs) term. Right. Um. So yeah, I wanted to hit on that real quick, but you know the financial side of the, the freight industry. There's there's a big uh, disconnect mm-hmm. between finance and freight operations. Right, just because of the natural disconnect in any industry. I know I was at a supply chain forum here in November. Okay, so some time ago, and I was listening to a talk. Uh, you know, Domino's. Uh, the lady that works at Domino's. She uh, she was basically you know the UTK supply chain forum in November. Wonderful uh, little forum that they give. My alma mater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know, just to give them a quick plug, they, uh, you know, she was talking about how they were actively working towards bridging the gap between operational and financial information. And a lot of the times the financial world gets locked into financial metrics, mm-hmm. revenue and, you know, costs, etc. cetera. But that's all based on accounting. Right. There's an operational side that you can get into. Mm-hmm. And some of those operational costs or, you know, measures are hard to translate directly into the financial world, if you will. Right. It may not show up this month, but it'll show up next month if you're doing it right. You know, some of these terms like, uh, you know, revenue per driver per week, uh, stuff like that, that may not necessarily show up. I mean, obviously it'll show up in revenue, uh, but this is the type of, you know, operational KPI that you're looking at that may, you know, you know, it's going to give you a measure of what's happening today, regardless of when they account for it. Gotcha. Um, you know that's basically how how much revenue is your driver producing? Doesn't matter how much he's spending you, because mm-hmm. let's be honest, there you generally know that your costs are about the same in that area, especially right. when in transportation. But um, there's been all a, a consistent disconnect there. Most most financial people look at their accounting metrics. That's what they're comfortable with. Uh, there's definitely been a move here in recent times towards understanding the connection between those two numbers. Right. So that being said, that'll wrap up our little financial uh sector. Yeah, that's useful. That's we've good had, information. We've had we've had a lot. You know, we've tried to pack it in this week. Yeah. Uh let's move on to, you know, we've had we've got an interesting market to cover. Yeah. Anthony, yeah. I'd like to hear I'd like to hear what you've got this week. In yeah. Terms of, economic activity
1: yeah i mean so it's no surprise coronavirus is here um we have an idea of how it's going to be impacting i think the manufacturing segment especially with you know china being such a large manufacturer of goods um and industrial stuff um that's we can take that hit we've taken that hit since the latter half of 2019 so it was like okay we see this it's still ongoing that's fine the consumer is going to be there for us right and so now what we've seen in the headlines is the consumer maybe they're going to be not as resilient because this is a little bit different than a trade war that doesn't really impact them directly consumers didn't care about the trade war they didn't care too much It was like oh wait it, the the manufacturers are taking the the hit right now and my goods are still the same price you know so it's it didn't really hit us too much at all, really. Nope. Didn't um, care. We saw that this Christmas. Yeah, it was, it was A-OK. <laughs> right. Um. But with this, this is different. Now we're seeing a lot of different consumer behavior. You can go into your Costco. I haven't been in Costco yet, but go into your Costco. Try to find some hand sanitizer, some Lysol, some Clorox, some uh, toilet paper, uh, as we were talking about earlier. There is uh, The actions are speaking for themselves here. And so... What we're seeing on the consumer side is going to be telling for the future of the U.S. economy in the coming months. And so one of the areas I'm going to be watching very closely is every consumer-related um, uh, index or measure that comes out in the coming weeks and months. Um, one of the ones that's really the underpinning for everything is not confidence, but I think employment. Ah, um, uh-huh. that's a good one. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, not saying that's a leading indicator, but it's a, it's a, it's something to tell us just like the, it's like a pulse on the, the economy. What kind of condition is a, it's a consumer in? And so in the most recent number, we saw that consumer, um, sorry, not consumer, um, consumer strength is, is going to be underpinned by ongoing low unemployment rates. It yep. Tick back down to 3.5 from 3.6. So that was for the month of February. February was kind of a while ago. So. I also like to look at weekly jobless claims. and So that really kind of measures the rate of layoffs in the the economy, the demand for labor, if you will. So um, the pace of layoffs is still low. So we saw that the weekly jobless claims have remained really low. Like consumers aren't losing their jobs. Layoffs aren't picking up in the economy. Um, So people are still in a, in a decent place. And so, that really kind of is going to be something that facilitates more retail sales and activity.
0: That's fascinating to me. It's almost like we are are so immune to the headlines now. (laughs) I think think if you look at night in the 90s, you know, an era that I grew up in, we were so sensitive as consumers to any negative news. I think we've literally come through. I mean, I think this is going to be telling. To see how long this lasts, of course, we're not we're not that far into it. We're literally only a few weeks into it in the Amer- in America. We've obviously been watching it for a couple of months now. It wasn't actually a huge deal right. until early February though, when people started to be like, "Wait a minute. Yeah. Um this is probably going to get out of China." Yeah. It's not your but at the same time, I think there's people like me out there that are like, "Dude, it's a cold. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I get sick, Okay, I mean, yeah. I got two kids. Mm. I told you the story about yeah. how I lost ten pounds in one year because my daughter brought home the flu. Oh, kids are gross. And then <laughs> all the other viruses. Really, I, I weighed as little as I did in high school for a period of time. Uh, so I'm I'm literally like, oh, okay, another another
1: yeah. <laughs> bug. Yeah, kids just. Just ramping up your immunity.
0: Yeah, I think I think the thing that gets scary is when the when the news sources talk about people dying. But mm-hmm. at the same time,
1: a lot of the people that are dying are also you know immune compromised or older.
0: And, and and I and I was watching a report on this uh, you know disease virus whatever you want to call it um, you know earlier today, and it's essentially like your body, our bodies don't have any natural built-in memory of this virus. Mm-hmm. That's why I, the infection rates are higher than in other ones. Right. Um, and of course, with every infection, every virus you get, there is some level of risk for you getting a secondary infection. Yeah. You get sinus infections, chest uh, infections, bronchitis, pneumonia, et cetera. So the more people that are getting infected, the more people have a chance for a secondary infection. Yeah. That's just natural. Right. So we're going, there's going to be more people infected than with the flu. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we don't have the up resistance as a, as a species. And we're going to have more secondary infections. <laughs> yeah. So those two things being said, I think that's really what's happening out there. But at the same time, how do you put a value on how much you mitigate that? Right. You know, you've got thousands of people out there that you could save by slowing the spread of it. Yeah. So you're going to give time for, you know, if it does mitigate, you know, it does slow down the progression as the temperature warms up, et cetera. So say you've, you've slowed the progression of the, of the virus, you know, it's not going to peak as high as it did before. Mm-hmm. So essentially you're saving lives by right. slowing the progression. Right. Again, giving people time, you know, to get ready for it. Vaccines can be developed, et cetera. Seasonal factors, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's, that's really what's in people's minds right now is not necessarily that, Oh my gosh, I'm so worried that I'm going to cough. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's I've seen
1: seen a couple of stairs around the office (laughs) like a little cough goes out and everyone just turns their Mm -hmm. eyes you know just like who did it yeah I think one of the things that we're going to have to be mindful of is that there also are limited test kits have been sent out already so I think we'll start to see complete ramp-ups in cases as there's more testing I'm sure there are people all over the place that might have it but they have not been tested for it and so I think once that kind of comes out, that's going to really ramp things up a little bit one more time. For sure, um, yeah, one more time. <laughs> and 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 that will be also telling to see how the headlines really kind of play into that, and then really how that really affects consumer spending and activity. How do you how
0: do you see this playing out in the uh, consumer realm? I mean, we seem to be. I mean, the numbers are supporting a very stable world right now. Like, yeah. you know, we're seeing more. To the upside and the downside in terms of general economic activity at the stock market, of course, is looking way Abisinal, more, yeah. you know, way far ahead in the future, which is going to have an impact. I mean, mm. we're talking about it here, about how employees are going to come into the office, et cetera. How are we going to handle travel? I mean, we had this yeah. week I had to cancel some travel plans. Yeah, uh, You know, that's money I'm not spending on gas, mm-hmm. food, et cetera, hotel, all this kind of stuff Right. Um, that's going to trickle down eventually. Yeah. But yeah. and we're kind of pulling forward like you mentioned before on mm-hmm. things like toilet paper, hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. food, all this stuff. So it's it's
1: offsetting in a way. Yeah.
0: But how much does that play I
1: don't know. I don't know how that plays yeah, out. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be the data that I am going to be most curious about. It's going to be the March data. So a lot of these major economic releases are going to be a little bit lagged and they're going to show data points for February. January, things like that. But I think March data is probably where we're going to start to see some of the impact in the, in the consumer side of things. Also, I think, um, one of the areas that we're going to have to watch closely for is going to be in the second quarter. So I think if there is going to be some kind of overt contraction, it's going to be in the second quarter of 2020. Yeah. Um, because I think we were came out strong enough in January. I think that strength kind of melted into February. March is probably going to be weak, but good enough to get us through that first quarter, especially with a bunch of the pull forwards. Yep. The second quarter of 2020, I think, is going to be really rough and very telling. I've got a lot of questions about the second quarter. I'm, I'm,
0: you know, I feel pretty strong about the first quarter this year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, after this March, yeah. uh, In terms of transportation uh, environment, um, but I'm really, really uncertain about second quarter this yeah. year. I mean, and obviously that depends on. What everybody does, I think I think we're going to see the brunt of the virus come through the United States here in the next few weeks mm-hmm. um, at some point in April. I believe we will begin to see the downturn mm-hmm. if you look at China and you look at how their curve worked they kind of they kind of peaked out the and, curve that China put out well the curve that you know in terms of infection that infection they put rates out? they didn't put it well, they did put it out yeah um but they had a peak of infection rates around 80,000 cases mm-hmm. and that was 2 weeks ago. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> 80,000 <000 laughs> cases. Whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. We know that there's a number there that's it, they they they've, they've probably figured out a way to mitigate it for now. Yeah. Um we kind of peaked and crested and the virus was just getting going at that point in time. Uh so looking at that number you're looking at about you know, a month and a half mm-hmm. before it You know, course ran its course and we are, you know, January 19th ish, somewhere in mid January is when we when we saw the first coronavirus case here. Yeah. I think it was early December in China in Wuhan. So I guess, well, by that number, you're talking about two and a half months. So, (laughs) yeah, but I'm thinking about more when the virus kind of got going and ramped up. I mean, we're on a different curve than China is because they were the originator. Mm -hmm. We're kind of the secondary phase we're also a little bit more prepared because yeah. we saw it coming and we also have better health care yeah in this country presumably <laughs> and <laughs> so i think i think we're on a little bit of a shorter curve i think for sure by mid-april we will begin to see this thing kind of fall out uh you know run its course mm-hmm. i'm no virologist though so don't <laughs> you know take take that take that for what it's worth yeah. but i think that we will begin to see that the problem is uh, especially for those involved in freight, China volumes. Yeah. We're watching our custom shipments. Right. They have not recovered yet. Right. I know they're reporting that China's back up to speed or getting closing the gap. Mm-hmm. Um that's gonna take some time to pull through. Again, depends on how much inventory we have in this country. Right. I don't know if we I I'm pretty sure we have plenty of inventory of toilet paper available. Um, you know, we create that here. Yeah. It's not Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> uh Hand sanitizer we can produce here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, there's all this other inventory. I'm not sure how much that's getting depleted. It hit at the perfect time, yeah. you know, in terms of everybody being ready for Chinese New Year, mm-hmm. trade war, et cetera. We'd already kind of inoculated ourselves to yeah. an extent. Yeah. I don't know what that's going to look like come April, May. It's because it's going to last throughout the year. We're right. going to see reverberations for...
1: All twelve months of twenty twenty. Definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah. And I think that really brings us towards the end of our show. And I'm a little bit disappointed, Zach. We haven't had a good old fashioned argument in some time. So, is there something
0: in particular that you wanted to bring up today I don't that think you I have anything? Do you not have an airing of grievances? I don't think I have anything. <laughs> say something. See if I disagree with it. Um, I believe that Toys R Us yeah. should have succeeded
1: i'm with you <laughs> i'm with it. you i don't believe that there should be so many mattress stores all over the place because i don't see i never see anyone in them i'm convinced it's a cover for some kind of operation you know they always go out of business i don't I, trust them
0: they they go out of business
1: uh you know it's some of the
0: worst freight you can move mattresses mattresses real trucking we companies do a show on that trucking companies hate mattresses really They're super light yeah Take up a lot of space. Take up a lot of space. I mean, especially on the LTL world, which is where I came from. But yeah. again, even on that, they're difficult to move because they're bulky. Mm-hmm. You know, you you bump a dock, but they're not on pallets. Yeah, you have to strap them in a weird way. <laughs> it is. It's it's it not great. like a nightmare. It's okay. not great. They're coming up with different ways of doing it though. Some yeah, I that... got
1: mine in a like little box. Yep. Yeah. Did you get a purple? I got a Layla. I think. Oh, like can like flip it okay. different sides. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're, no getting a, they're getting
0: a lot better yeah. uh, in the way that they're transporting these things. I, I, I mean, and they're also,
1: you know, just getting better in general, as most yeah. things do yeah. <laughs> yeah. over time. Yeah. So that's why I don't trust any kind of mattress store in a high real estate value area. Because I'm just like, I've seen two people walk in the door. One of them was on accident. I don't, the other one had to use the bathroom. I, I, don't, I don't trust
0: it. I don't understand how they continue to perpetuate, though. Same. There's always a mattress store around.
1: All right. So no argument today? No, All I right. guess not. Okay. Well,
0: well, I feel like we had a pretty good show, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Yeah. in general. Uh, you know, Seth Holm, thank you to him for showing up this week. And, uh, you know, as always, stay tuned to Freight uh, Freightonomics for your freight market economic economics.
1: economics.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. Have a good week out there.
1: Remember that one time we had to put that coffee down? Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some sort of like trance music. And it had lyrics, I think. (laughs) Lyrics. That out to the intern. Emma.